let's pray. Heavenly Father, if we are honest, we will admit that we need you more than we uh, sometimes know. And uh, Lord, you have promised that you are with us, that you'll never forsake us. Uh, You're with us every day, every moment of every day. Father, help us to practice uh, the presence of having you with us, knowing that you are our Heavenly Father knowing that you have promised to take care of every need. And we can just live in that. We can uh, live our lives knowing that um, you have taken care of those needs and that you have given us a great purpose to live for. Uh, Help us as we deal and struggle with worry in our life. Help us to understand what you've said and to claim the promises that you've given us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, I am privileged to be with you, filling in for Pastor Chris this morning. Uh, it's been a busy week downstairs. Uh, we're kind of redoing our whole nursery space, and uh, he's been doing uh, uh, nonstop work to prep it. Uh, so hopefully next week, when you all come back, uh, we'll have that nice brand new space. Um, ready to go. Uh, but when he asked me a couple weeks ago if I'd step in this week and, and uh, speak to you, um, I said, sure. Um, you know, what's the topic? Because I know we've been doing this series called Breakout, Life is Better Without the Chains. And uh, he said, well, this, this week you're going to be speaking about worry. And I was like, oh, all right, worry. That, that's cool. I mean, uh, I consider myself kind of laid back kind of person that, you know, I'm not really kind of bent out of shape about worry. I kind of, kind of was even thinking, like, do I even worry? Like, do I even, is it even a problem for me? Um, in fact, <clears throat> what I typically do is when I find somebody that's in a worry mode, I usually um, needle them about it. <laughs> that's like, like the right thing to do. Um, you know, I'm sure if it was me, I wouldn't appreciate um, being kidded about it. Um, but I actually um, get to work with a really cool person over in Awana during the first service. Um, <clears throat> she leads the whole uh, clubhouse uh, effort over there. Her name is Yvette. Maybe some of you have kids that go to clubhouse, so you know Yvette. Uh, one of the things about Yvette is she plans everything out to the nth degree. She leaves no stone unturned. So that when we go and have our huddle meeting, that's half hour before any of the kids show up, uh, we go in there and she's got a list and she just starts going through that list, ticking off everything that's got to happen, everything that's got to fall in place for that morning to be a success. And sometimes I feel like there's a little tension. And so, you know, I'll do something to kind of try to, you know, release some of that tension, release some of that worry. You know, I'll always be joking around and she'll kind of give me that smirk face I mean, she knows what I'm doing. She knows I mean well. Um, But again, it's easy for me to joke about it because I'm not feeling that tension. I'm not in that worry space that she's in because I don't have the total responsibility for it that she has. I just have my one little piece. Then I began to think, well, when do I worry? So flashback to last weekend... Uh, I was not here. I was on the men's retreat with 16 other men. We went up to the Poconos. 
had a great time, but uh, the men's retreat is something that we've been doing almost since we, we started the church, but it's something that God really put on my heart to do. God called me very clearly, said, I want this ministry for men, and part of it is going to be this retreat experience that we do. So consequently, I've been the one to plan it, and all of the pressure for pulling it off falls on me. So every time this year, as we get closer and closer, I begin to worry about things like, do we get enough men to sign up? I mean, I already paid for the cabin. We could fit, you know, 17 guys, but I need people to sign up. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to clear the cost. Did enough guys sign up? Um, did they pay? You know, it's not enough to get them to sign up. We've got to get them to pay. Um, what if they signed up and they paid, but then at the last minute they can't go? That happens sometimes too. Uh, did, we, did we buy enough food? Is there going to be enough food when we get up there? Um, you know, what if everybody paid and everybody signed up and everybody gets up there and then it like falls flat? You know, what if, basically, what if God doesn't show up like I need him to? So I realized that in that situation, I actually worry a lot. So I had kind of faked myself out thinking that I don't worry. Um, yeah, there's times when I worry. And the times when I worry is when I'm in charge of something and there's nobody else, you know, to fall back on, Right. Sunday morning for me is not a worry because Pastor Chris has, has prepared a whole week to come up here and speak to you from God's Word and share his heart. So you just go in and you just kind of absorb it. But what happens when he asks you to get up here and share from your heart about worry? I've been worrying for two weeks about what I'm going to say to you about worry. So uh, God reminded me that I'm not immune to the worry issue um, this week. Um, but why do we always default to the worst, right? Why do we always think like the worst is going to happen? I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what you worry about. You might be one of those people that you're in the car and you turn on the radio and you hear about a crash on the highway and you think, oh, I wonder if my best friend is in that car crash, right? I mean, it's like, that's kind of extreme. If you do that, you really shouldn't. Um, Maybe you worry about a market crash, right? Maybe you've got your retirement and your 401k and you're worried, what, what happens if the market crashes like it did in 2008 and like half of my retirement savings evaporates? I mean, that could happen. It's happened to people before. Maybe you are at a job where you know your company is kind of skating on thin ice, right? It's a small company. The revenue's really not coming in. And you've had layoffs before. Maybe you think, well, this next round might be my turn. So maybe you worry about a job that you could lose. Or maybe you've already lost your job. And you're worried about, how am I ever going to find another one? Can I provide for my family? Maybe you have um, a 20-something-year-old daughter who is now ready to move out of the house and live on her own. And she just got an apartment, but it's kind of in a sketchy neighborhood. Maybe you worry about that. Or maybe you have a teenage son who's out on a date and it's an hour past his curfew. Why do we always expect the worst, right? But those are the situations that maybe you worry about. So how do we break this, this worry habit that so easily gets into our lives? Well, the, the word worry itself is actually comes from an old English word, and it means literally to choke 
or to strangle. And so what happens is when we let worry into our lives, it literally chokes the life out of our life. We can't focus on anything else, and it just kind of like has this constricting feeling to it. So we're going to look at a passage in the book of Matthew. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the part of it that we're going to look at starts in Matthew 6, verse 25. And Jesus is teaching. And the first thing that he says in this passage is, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Now, that's kind of a hard command um, to follow. Don't worry about anything, basically. Ever is what he said. But anytime God gives us a command, he always gives us a way to follow through on that. So that's what we want to learn about today. And I'm going to give you, actually Jesus is going to give you five reasons not to worry. Right? You can, if you're taking notes, you can write these down. The first of those reasons is that worry is unreasonable. Now, he says, that's why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing. So he says there's more to life than food and clothing. Now think back with me to the time that Jesus lived. Uh, they had a lot less than we do in terms of food and clothing, and a lot less options, and there were probably a good number of people that actually did have to worry about where they're going to get their next meal from, a lot more than is here today. In fact, I don't think there's probably anybody here today that legitimately has to worry about where we're going to get our next meal. We just don't live in a society that has that concern. So what do we worry about when it comes to food and clothes? Well, do I have the right clothes to wear? Uh, am, is, is the food that I'm serving good enough, right? Think about um, preparing for a wedding, right? How much time we spent laboring over, you know, got to get the gown right. I got to get the clothes right. Uh, we got to serve food that, you know, that, that people, it's going to be um, the best ever, right? So we really worry about a different level of food and clothing that people back in Jesus' day had to worry about. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether you're eating gourmet food and you're wearing designer clothes. If your life is messed up, what good is all of that other stuff? And that's what he says. He says, life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. See, he's talking about a comparison between what's eternal and what's external. And so we focus on the external, and we get all worried about these things, like what are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? God's saying, no, there's, there's something far more important that you should be focused on, and don't worry about these things. I'll tell you another reason why worry is unreasonable. To worry about something you can't change is useless. You can't change it. It's useless. Why do you worry about it? To worry about something you can change, however, that's just plain stupid. Go ahead and change it. If you can change it, don't worry about it. Change it. Right? So it doesn't make sense to worry about something you can't change. It doesn't make sense to worry about something you can change. And when you worry about whatever it is you're worrying about, it just gets bigger and bigger in your head. And it just stops you 
from being productive. So worry is unreasonable. That's the first reason that Jesus gives us. The second one is that worry is unnatural. He says in verse 26, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And then jumping down to verse 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Jesus gives us two illustrations here. First one is a little bird watching illustration. Now, I'm not a bird watcher. Um, I don't know that much about you know, the intricacies of what birds do, but I do know that they aren't like little farmers that have to go plant their food in the ground and then water it and then come back you know, and harvest it, right? They don't do that because they just go and find a worm or some scrap of food that somebody left behind. Um, basically, God provides the food for them. There's no worry about where the food's going to come. They just get it, and it's like day by day. They get their food. And then he talks about clothing, and he gives us a, a botany lesson. And he says, look at a flower. Now, I had to go back and think about my high school biology days. I think this is when I learned this, right? A flower, it's got an intricate design, but basically every flower has four parts to it. It's got something called a pistil, a stamen, a petal, and a sepal. I think that's the way you pronounce it. And um, you, like, you just look at a flower and you think, oh, it doesn't even have all of those parts, but it does. It has all these little parts, like a stem that sticks up and in the middle, you know, that's how the thing pollinates. Uh, it's a work of art, really. And the colors, you know, are just so beautiful. It's intricate. God designed this flower. It's beautiful, but it doesn't have to work for its beauty. It just has it. It's, it's innate. It's, it's natural beauty. Now, there are plants and there are animals, and neither one of those things worry about their life. There's only one thing that is in God's creation that worries, and that's us, people. And God never planned it to be that way. See, worry is unnatural. God says in the Psalms, God satisfies the desires of every living creature. That includes the animals, but mainly it's us, right? God satisfies your desires. So to worry is to leave God out of that part of the equation. Our bodies were not designed to handle worry. Worry is actually something that you learn to do. It wasn't part of God's initial design. It is part of the fall um, of sin. You hear people say, I'm worried sick, literally. You can worry yourself to, into a, a sick state. Uh, I read, today, uh, read this week, rather, that 12% of the population experiences headaches at least 53 days out of the year. That kind of shocked me. 53 days, that's a lot of days that people are having headaches, and that's more than 10% of the population. Maybe that's why... We consume over 15 pounds or so of aspirin per day on average. See, the Bible says in Proverbs that an anxious heart weighs a man down. 
but a heart at peace gives life to the body. So we, we don't need to have worry in our lives. It's not only unreasonable, it's unnatural. It's not the way God designed us to be. Third point is that worry is unhelpful. Verse 27 says, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So worry can't make us taller, can't make us shorter, can't make us thinner, um, and it can't add to your life. It can't give you longer life. However, it can shorten your life. If you worry too much, it can shorten your life. Somebody said that worry is like a rocking chair. It's a lot of back and forth motion, but no progress is made. And I actually think that the, worry, the uh, rocking chair analogy breaks down at some point because at least in a rocking chair, it has a calming effect on me. Worry is doing the opposite. It's just getting me all worked up. See, the only thing that worry actually changes is you, and it makes you more miserable. So worry is unhelpful. It can't change your past. It can't control your future. It can only wreck the moment that you're in right now. Worry is unreasonable, but Jesus says worry is unnatural. He tells us it's unhelpful, and then he tells us that worry is unnecessary. Verse 30, Jesus goes on to say, And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why do we have so little faith? Because God has promised to take care of us. Worry is completely unnecessary. One of my favorite memories from growing up in the summer, and this was probably when I was five, six, seven years old, was when I would hear the, the jingling of the good humor truck turn up our street. And when you heard that bell, it was kind of like Pavlov's dogs, right? You know, just the first thing you had to do is you had to run outside and get to the curb and wave that guy down, right? Make sure he knew to stop at our house. Once we got him stopped, then the next thing you had to do is you had to run back inside and say, hey, Dad, I need money for... Good humor. Um, and my dad had this, his, on his dresser, he would have like all his loose change. And there'd just be this, all these quarters. It, to me, it's, it's like an endless supply of quarters. And I didn't worry about whether dad had the money or not. I didn't worry about whether it had been a, a tight week and, and they were kind of tight on their budget. I didn't worry about any of that stuff. I just went to dad and said, dad, I need money for a quarter. And most of the time, He'd give it to me, unless maybe, you know, we're just about to eat dinner or something. But the point was, he had this endless supply, and I just went to him and asked. You know, it was his job to earn the money. It was my job to spend the money. <laughs> and, you know, he loved to do it. He loved to do it. Um, see, the Bible says that your heavenly Father knows all your needs. Then he goes on to say in Philippians that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 
according to that endless supply of quarters that he has on his dresser in heaven. That's my father. So he knows your needs. He's already promised to supply your needs. What we have to do is trust in that. See, worry can always be traced to an inadequate or a misunderstanding of who God is and what he's like. We just haven't grasped strong enough how much our Heavenly Father has and how much he's promised to do on our behalf. That's the only reason that we worry. It's because we're not interacting with God on the basis of who he really is. You know, a lot of people think, well, I've trusted God for salvation. I believe he's going to take me to heaven when I die. And that's kind of like what he expects me to trust him for. The rest of it, I've got to figure out on my own. God never said that. See, God wants us to trust him for all of our needs, for everything. God didn't just come to save you from your sin. I mean, that's important. That's just the beginning. God wants to take you on a journey, and he wants to initiate you into all kinds of things that he has for you to do. And worry is not part of that scene. We worry when we come back to the things, we take our eyes off of God, and we think we have to handle the little things. God just takes care of the big things. And that's not true. So worry is unreasonable. Worry is unnatural. He tells us that worry is unhelpful. And he tells us it's unnecessary. Final thing that we learn from Jesus is that worry is downright unchristian. Uh, look at the passage in verse 31 now. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows that you need them. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Well, you know what? If I was an unbeliever, if I didn't know God as my heavenly Father the way that I do, I'd be worried. I'd have every right to worry. Uh, there's a lot of things to worry when you're trying to live life without any of God's help. But we don't have to put ourselves in that position. The King James Version of this verse, the one that I grew up with, <clears throat> says, in place of where it says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, it says, the pagans run after all these things. The pagans run after all these things. I mean, doesn't that describe... The society that we live in, people running here and running there, hustling, figuring, I got, you know, if, if I'm going to get it, I got to get it myself, right? I got to figure this out myself. There's nobody here to help me. They're just running after everything. And most of it is just material stuff that in the end doesn't go with us, right? We can't take it with us. We're running, running after that house, that car. All this stuff creates worry in our lives. God says, we don't have to do that. In fact, when we live that way, we're basically living as if we're an orphan. It's basically saying, I'm practically speaking an atheist because I'm leaving God out of all of these things in my life. If you're worrying, then God is really just not in your thoughts at that point in time. You're not understanding who he is. You're not understanding what he's promised. Is that worry 
And God's presence really can't occupy the same space in your, in your thought life. I think back to the uh, person in the Old Testament, Job. Job was a very righteous man. <clears throat> he went through a lot of trials and testing. But before he went through that, the Bible said that Job had a practice that um, his children, he had three sons and three daughters, and you know, they would be doing this feast and partying and, and whatever they did back then. Um, and at the end of that feast, it, it said that he would call them and he would actually make a sacrifice on their behalf, thinking to himself, perhaps my children have sinned in some way. Like, I don't know that, but perhaps they've sinned in some way. So I better sacrifice for them. See, I think Job actually was a worrier, even though it says that he was a righteous man. And, and Job was worried that things are going so good right now, this can't possibly last. Have you ever worried about something that's bound to happen because things are just going so good? I know there's got to be something right around the corner. I mean, worry, that's a problem, right? If you can't even enjoy the good times because you think bad is right around the corner. That's what Job was doing in, in, in essence. God never worries. Can you imagine God being worried about something? I can't. Well, God wants us to be like him, and therefore, he wants us not to worry either. <clears throat> now, I've given you five reasons not to worry. So you can just go out and live your life, and those five reasons, that should be good enough, right? That's just going to change the way you live. Not. Um, why is that? Because just telling you what not to do never works. Never works. We have to replace the what not to do with something to do instead. You know, we have to, at Skyline, we call it, you know, put off and put on. If you don't put that other thing on, that thing that you try to put off is just going to come back into your life. So I want to give you three concrete steps that you could try to practice this week that'll help you to put off worry, <clears throat> help you to break the worry habit. The first one is put God first in every area of your life. Now, I know it says that up on the screen, or it will, um, but I got to thinking about that, and um, after I submitted the notes, I thought of a, maybe a better way to say that. So you can write that one down, but write this down too. Make God's purpose your total priority. Make God's purpose your total priority. I guarantee if you do that, if you honestly do that, there's no space for worry in that. If I go back to my example of the men's retreat, planning for the men's retreat, right? So here I am trying to do God's purpose, but I'm worried. What am I worried about? God's responsible for his purpose. God's responsible for the result, right? I get to be a part of it. So if I plan and do my planning, then the results are up to him. It doesn't mean that I don't plan, but what am I actually worried about in that situation? I'm worried about my reputation. I'm worried about whether I'll look good or not. If I don't pull this thing off, I'm going to look bad. See, I'm worried about the wrong thing. I'm worried about me. I'm not focused on God when I do that. So number one is put God first in every area of your life. 
I want you to note, we don't have it on the screen, but the first, the very verse right before this passage, when Jesus started to go off on this whole worry thing, what is he talking about in verse 24? He's talking about money. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or the other way around. You can't serve both God and money. So money is a great barometer for this, right? Because money creates a lot of the things that we worry about. Well, I have enough money. You know, I don't have enough money. I, I, can't, I can't afford to do this. We never think we have enough. But then if we actually get enough, then we start worrying about, am I going to lose it? Right? I got all this money in the stock market. What if it goes down? I mean, it, you just, it, with money, the, the worries never stop. So every area of your life, whatever it is, you name it, you want to give that to God. You want to seek his kingdom and let him fill in all the rest. The second thing that I want you to think about this week is live just one day at a time. That simplifies the process. And he says in verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, who can attest to that based on personal experience, right? I got enough things to worry about today without having to project to tomorrow. So don't borrow trouble, right? You know, that's kind of like borrowing on the future. Don't borrow trouble. Don't walk around with your umbrella open when it's not raining yet, right? Um, there's two days every week that nobody should ever worry. Yesterday and tomorrow. Just focus in on today. And we don't want you to worry about today. And we don't want you to not plan for the future. He's not telling you not to plan. There's plenty of verses where Jesus says you have to plan for tomorrow. You know, will, will a man decide to build a tower and not put together the plans? No. So, the thing that I learned you know, as I was planning the message and worrying about my delivery of the message about worry, does that make sense? <laughs> the thing that I learned is when I was working on it, I wasn't worried at all. I was being active. It was creative process. I was into it. There was no worry in that. It's when I stopped, when I had to do something else. That's when my thoughts started to wander. It's like, oh, man, I need to do more to prepare for the message, right? So when we're in the planning of something, we're not worried. It's when we stop and when we've got some time to ourselves, right? That's when worry creeps in. Number one, just limit it to today, right? Don't be worried about tomorrow. And then number two is take today and just give that to God. So live just one day at a time. Uh, when you worry about tomorrow's problems, you miss today's blessings. And that is something that we don't want to do. You know, in the uh, Lord's Prayer, he says a couple of things that fit right in with what we're talking about. One, he said to pray that uh, your kingdom come, right? To pray that God's kingdom would be ushered into the lives of people. He's called you, if, if you are 
his child, he's called you to that mission, right? You're to bring the kingdom to other people. And that's what it means to seek first God's kingdom. We're focused on that. There's not going to be any time for worry. And then the second thing it says in that prayer is, give us this day our daily bread. See, God never intended for us to live anything other than one day at a time. And that's why we pray, just give us bread for today. Focus on today. That's the way he designed us to work. You know, we have this, this thing called a, a day. It's broken up into 24 hours and, and 60 minutes in, a, in an hour. But, it, you know, the day is a period of time that God has ordained for us to live in that moment. So do that. Live one day at a time. And then the last thing that I want you to take with you this week is to trust God to care for those things beyond your control. Verse 30 says, If God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? If you're taking notes, you can just circle that word faith down at the bottom of your notes. You see, the root of worry is a lack of faith. See, worry and trust can't live in the same house together. Worry comes in the front door, trust goes right out the back door. And trust doesn't come back in until you invite it in. And when you invite trust back in, worry goes out the back door. The issue then is, how do I trust God? Two things, two very simple things that I want you to take with you in terms of building your trust in God, your Heavenly Father. The first one is when you start to feel that worry seep into your life, right? When you start to feel it kind of well up inside you, trade in that panic for prayer, right? Panic for prayer. You feel that panic start to happen, you're going to trade it in for prayer. And you're going to share that moment with your Heavenly Father. And you're going to remember that it's your Heavenly Father that has the endless supply of quarters up on His bureau. And His supply is unlimited. And He knows your needs. He knows what you need in that situation. And He's more than willing to give you what you need to take care of it. So share it with Him. Pray. The second thing is to learn and memorize the promises of God's Word. You're not going to be good at this unless you really know who God is and what He's like. And the way that we know that is by spending time in God's Word. Now, you don't have to do this alone, right? We have something at Skyline called life groups where you get to share life together. And in those life groups, you will talk about what is God really like. And then you'll go and look at the Bible and say, well, let's find out from the Bible. Let's learn together. So it just so happens that this week, we're kicking off our life groups. And if you are not in a life group, I would plead with you to check it out. Just go, pick one, go. If you don't like that one, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them men's groups, women's groups, whatever it is. But do that. Don't walk alone and learn what God has to say about how he can supply all your needs. 
The series that we're in is called Breakout. Life is better without the chains. Today we have focused on the chain of worry. When you think about it, worry can be paralyzing. It can suck all the life and all of the joy out of our life. Jesus intended for us to have a full life. There's no place for worry in that. He wants us to focus on the eternal, not the external. And your Heavenly Father, He loves to come through for you. You just have to turn your attention to Him. You just have to ask Him. You just have to give it over to Him. Because He loves to come through for His children over and over and over again. Let's pray. Father, you are truly a wonderful Heavenly Father to us. You have given us so much. You've given of your Son so that we could have forgiveness from our sins. But Lord, it doesn't stop there. You've taken it so much further. You want to bring us into an amazing journey where we get to live the life that you planned for us, the one that you designed for us, with deep purpose and meaning. Father, help us this week to pray when we feel panic. And Lord, help us to take that step of joining with other people in a life group so that we can truly learn and memorize your word and understand the promises that you've made to us, understand what you're really like, so that when we have those moments, we can give them totally over to you. In Jesus' name, amen.